0: Are you struggling to get your project off the ground?
1: Is the term research a dirty word?
0: Need help finding more resources? Hi, everyone. Welcome back to
1: another Center for Nursing Inquiry podcast. I'm Elizabeth Scala, one of your co-hosts,
0: and I am the research program coordinator here with Maddie Whelan. Hi, Maddie. Hi, I'm Maddie. I'm the evidence-based practice program coordinator in the Center for Nursing Inquiry. Great to be here with you rocking that podcast, Mike again, as I always used to like to
1: say. Um, this time we're talking about another kind of, I'd say, generic sort of general inquiry topic. So Let's jump right in. Um, Not to give the audience, you know, further ado, we're talking about the various parts of a paper. And people already might be thinking, but Elizabeth and Maddie, gosh, you know, if a research paper or if you're writing an EBP, you tell us there's all these templates and formats for different papers. We hear you. We agree. We totally understand. But today, kind of in this generic space, we're going to go over the the bigger strokes of the the parts of a paper. So kind of like four main sections that you likely would see in most publications. Now, again, if you need to get nitty gritty into the specific type of paper you're looking to write up, um, we'll give you some ways to contact us after the podcast content's over. But again, this is going to be kind of generic to writing a paper. So, Maddie, I just kind of alluded to the fact that there are four big sections, four major sections. Start us off. What is the first
0: part of a paper? Um, well, before I do that, I did just want to mention why why we think it's important to be talking about this today. Okay. Oh, um, <laughs> and, and I think that the biggest the biggest thing is to save everyone time. So especially if you're going to be dividing the paper up among several people, you don't want to all be writing the same information. You guys are busy, um, you have a lot of other things on your plate, and so you don't want to have four people all writing the same information. So this is a way to make sure that you're really only putting the information that you need in each section and then not sort of creating double work for both writing and then later editing with having um, them overlap a little bit too much. Mm.
1: That's. I, I'm going to pause before we go to the fig big, four big sections. I am so appreciate you saying, hold up, Elizabeth, why is this important? So many teams we've worked with, and Maddie's point is, is very um, well true, that we help them and they're like, well, that is so redundant to what we just read in this other section and this other. And then think about it. As she said, you do have to waste time to edit that down. So. This is why this podcast is important, people. As Maddie likes to say, I know she heard another podcast, save your future self that time in advance. All right, four big
0: sections. Let's go. Unless there's another reason why this is good. <laughs> uh, no, I think, that's a, I think that's a good enough reason right there. Um, and, and we see people, like you said, I've um, read a lot of papers where I see this, so we do think it's a really relevant topic and not something that you necessarily have explicitly learned um, in school. Like, I know I learned this really just from trial and error and reading a ton of different papers. Um, so back to your original question, though. Um, we have big, a big four, like you said, and the first one is really the introduction slash background. Sometimes people have an introduction with a separate background, sometimes they have them put together, but just sort of in general, we're starting with the introduction, background information, which is really, you know, what information already exists out there? Why is it important to this group? And what will this paper, why did you sort of embark on the project and why are you sharing it in the form of a publication? Right,
1: so first section is everything that has come before kind of your project, other literature out there, why you're doing the project, relevant, you know, relating it to topical content that's out there. Great, so everything in the beginning sort of. And what's the next section?
0: So the next section, you've already sort of established this, again, this is sort of, we talked about making sure you have a good idea of the lay of the land and the state of the literature. You're sort of giving a really brief Synopsis in, you know, three or four paragraphs about what information already exists and then you're moving along to what you specifically did or you and your team did. So those are your methods. And I like to explain to people that this is really a manual. There's not a lot of it's not very dis, um, It's not a lot of discussion. It's very formal. If I were to, if I did a project, Elizabeth didn't know anything about it, and I handed her my methods, she could independently recreate the project because I've done such a good job of succinctly and accurately telling her exactly what I did. Not only for what I did in the project itself, but if I was looking at the statistics for writing everything up, how I looked at those statistics and what I did to come up with my final sort of um, conclusions.
1: Correct. So basically, if I read the method section, like Maddie said, I should be able to replicate the project. And quite frankly, when I'm doing EBP with groups, the reasons I give lower scores on articles is if you read a method section and you can't go out with your group and replicate what the article is telling you that they did, I find that to be pretty poorly written. I want to know step by step by step by step what was done. So the methods is, is, is exactly that. What was done? Okay, the next part.
0: So once we know what we did, we need to know what we found, and so that's our results section. So the results, again, you know, this makes it sound like it's very, um, again, this is a scientific paper, but very scientific, very cut and dry. We're not adding a lot. We're not really. We're not adding any of our own interpretation. But it's literally what we found. Um, it's their raw numbers. They might be statistics. Um, a lot of times you'll see this in the form of tables and actually very little writing in a um, quantitative. Uh, manuscript or publication, but it's just cut and dry. What were the results of the project? Right.
1: And you know what I was thinking? Uh, Unless you have to cite, you know, uh, the reference, like you've used a Likert scale and you want to give credit to where credit's due and cite Likert scale. You know, there's not many citations. You shouldn't be referencing a lot of things in your results because you essentially are just giving the reader the results of your particular project. Would you say that's true you know you shouldn't yeah. have
0: many citations there <laughs> yeah i know i think that's a great thing to bring up and really in the methods unless you were using a specific tool or scale that you wanted to say okay you know it was validated in this population like my population but there the citations should be few and far between in the methods and the results section because it's really specific to your project not what not the state of information in general excellent excellent great okay so the final section what is that So our final um, section is the discussion conclusion section. So there's almost always a discussion section. Sometimes conclusions gets pulled out separately or it kind of gets nested under discussion. But discussion is exactly what it sounds like. It's if you and I were to sit down and and I told you, hey, these are the results of my project, but it's really what I interpret them to mean and what I think about them to really describe what what happened and then how that sort of fits in the context overall of the state of the science. So I might um, compare and contrast my results with other similar studies saying, hey, we found something similar, so we really think this is a strong conclusion, or interestingly, we found something very different than this other group. And so it's really uh, putting in your critical thinking cap for this portion. That's great. Thanks for
1: taking us through the four big sections of a paper, the four overarching parts. And what I heard interestingly enough is something related to citations. We talked a little bit about it in the results section. So can you just quickly walk through, like are there certain sections of a paper where you're, you're, you likely see or use more citations or references and then other parts where you really have
0: those minimized? For sure. You're definitely gonna see um, most of your references in either the introduction background section um, or the discussion conclusion session, because that's really in the beginning where you're sort of giving the lay of the land where, this, where your project falls in the context of, of the overall state of the science of a certain topic, and then in the discussion is where you're comparing and contrasting your own results and sort of giving some thoughtful um, input into how you think that this really um, adds to the information that already exists, so you're really going to see the majority of them in your introduction and your discussion. Great, great. I love that. And that's helpful because as people are writing, they need to
1: remember if I'm in those methods section or results section, I'm reporting on what I did or what I found. Other than citing a tool, if you used a survey, you really have limited um, need for references there. I love that. Okay. So as we do with most of our topics, I think it's handy and helpful for folks to hear a real live example. And I am smiling here because I'm excited to talk about ours. But how can you relate parts of a paper to a real world example?
0: So I this is sort of outside the realm of healthcare, But I think again, sometimes it's helpful to think about something completely separate um, in the same in that uh, context. So you can get an idea of what we're talking about, like really black and white. And I've used with a couple of groups, the example of baking a cake. And if you were going to write a scientific manuscript about baking a cake, how each of the steps would fall into your introduction, your methods, your results and your discussion. So we're going to start just we'll start at the beginning which is your introduction so if i were baking a cake and i wanted to write up a publication about what i did uh, the introduction would be sort of maybe the history of cakes why i decided to make this particular cake why um i thought it was important to not only write to bake the cake but to write and tell you about why i made the cake so if i was writing and making an angel food cake i might tell you about the history of it maybe where the name came from and sort of where we're at now with angel food cakes (laughs) which by the way is my favorite
1: cake is it? I love that that's funny and you said before when you were talking about the introduction section the last few pieces of it so as you move towards your next part how do you close up the introduction
0: there to get you you know to the second piece So again, it depends kind of specifically on what you're writing up, but for the most part, that last sentence or two of your introduction is going to make an argument for both why your project was important and also why you want people to keep reading. If people read the introduction and they say, this has already been done, I don't really see a reason I have to keep going, they might not even finish reading your paper. So that's sort of your big um, statement about why this matters. Awesome. the purpose so of
1: this paper is to hear about Maddie and her angel food cake.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, I wish I could write papers about that. So then uh, the method section is your, is your next section. And that, again, like we talked about before, is sort of your manual, or in this case, it's your recipe. So the whole idea of the recipe is that I could do it. you taste the cake, you think this is amazing, and then I hand you the recipe, and you go home and you make that cake without ever having to, hopefully you're not texting me every five minutes because I was super unclear about how I did my, made my cake. So the method section is really the recipe. It's the amount of ingredients you used, how long you used them, how long you stirred, how long you baked, the temperature you baked at. So again, cut and dry exactly what you did without any um, commentary or discussion. Uh, After is really the results and when you're making a cake this is usually the most exciting part it's when you take it out of the oven and so you might want to include different information about your results if you're doing a quantitative study or a quantitative um, project you might want to look at maybe maybe if you made a cake you want to know how big the cake was how tall the cake was uh, the density of the cake the dryness of the cake hopefully not too dry Uh, maybe the color if you were doing a qualitative write-up, maybe you would want to talk to people about what they thought of the cake if they were really, um, if they thought it was, if they thought it tasted good, if they had some suggestions. So really their feedback about it and sort of describing the experience of eating the cake.
1: That's neat. I like that because like you were talking about with the methods section and the fact that the methods really is those step-by-step recipe, um, you know, requirements. I believe in this particular example of the cake, if we followed the methods exactly as you stated the methods, then our results would likely be the same. You know, my cake would be eight by 10. Uh, my cake would be brown. My cake would be, you know, like the consistency, the density, and it should be the same as yours. Um, and we'd report like that like the, the results should turn out the same,
0: correct? Yeah, ideally. And that sort of leads into the next section which is the discussion um, and that's where you really want to see maybe your cake turned out differently than you're expecting it and this is maybe where you get to give your insights about maybe what went well what went wrong maybe i'm comparing my cake to one that's been made before and it was um, a much lighter color or a much lighter density and so i would want to talk about how it compares and contrasts to things that have already cakes that have already been made and then maybe what, some of my insights into um, why that might be the case, that it looks the same or different. That's a great point, and I was just recalling when you were talking about so the difference could happen if, even
1: if you're following the recipe, um, I was speaking with a family member who lives out in the West, and obviously, uh, I'll say Colorado exactly, and there's you know the high altitude and different water, and so we were discussing making a dessert and how I guess we were in our discussion section because hers were flatter, mine were taller, yet we were following the same recipe. So it's interesting that that discussion section, again, you're relating back to the results you found and kind of describing it, um, your experience as it relates to others in that state of the science, per se. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Well, I loved this um, podcast topic, talking about the big four parts of a paper and then using our baking cake uh, example to to walk people through it. So now I'm hungry and we're going to have to end the podcast. So where can people um, find us if they'd like to reach out?
0: Well, we don't have any cake recipes, but we do have a lot of inquiry uh, information on our intranet site, which you can get from going to the Hopkins Nursing intranet. If you click on professional practice, our, the Center for Nursing Inquiry will appear there on the left side, and you can click there to get a ton of different resources and information about doing inquiry projects. Perfect. Uh, we, oh, go ahead. So we also have an email address that people can contact us directly. That is inquiry at jhmi.edu and we check that daily and um, try and respond as quickly as possible to all of your inquiry questions. Excellent.
1: Well, also on um, social media, we do have YouTube videos out there. Obviously this podcast, we have an Instagram page and then our closed Facebook group. So if you go to Facebook, search in your type uh, bar there, the Johns Hopkins Center for Nursing Inquiry, you have to request to join because it is a closed group and one of our uh, Center for Nursing Inquiry staff will welcome you in. So uh, reach out if you need help and thanks for tuning in to the podcast.